If you have your scriptures with you, I would like to invite you to go over and look in what? We're doing Romans chapter 3, verses 21 through 26. And if you remember last week, I shared with you the parable of the king. How many of you were here last week? Let me see. Okay, how many of you were not here last week at all? You weren't here last week. Okay, how many of you who were not here last week went online and listened to the parable of the king? None of you. Oh, 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 there was a reminder. Good. I'm just looking at Mary Cantrell and making her very uncomfortable. <laughs> but you know, the, the parable was a great story, and, and some of you uh, didn't know that I was suffering through it because it was the first time I did something like that, uh, that particular story. And the Lord blesses, and the Lord really is faithful to those who attempt to be faithful to God. Uh, so if you have your scripture, let's please look in your Bible, Romans chapter 3, and I am going to read verses 21 through 26. Where is Romans in your Bible? Where? 916. That's a page, 916. That's very good. That is a section. Let's listen for the Word of God. But now, apart from the law, The righteousness of God has been disclosed and is attested by the law of the prophets. The righteousness of God through through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction since all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That one we know. They are now justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ, whom God put forward as a sacrifice of atonement by His blood, effective through faith. He did this to show His righteousness because in His divine forbearance. He had passed over since previously committed. It was to prove at the present time that he himself is righteous and that he justifies the one who has faith in Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Last week, I shared the parable of the king, and this is a story where there was a king who lived in this wonderful place, and how many sons did he have? Five sons. Four were warned. All of them were warned about a very dangerous river that bordered their land, and four of them were kind of rebellious and rambunctious. One of them was very obedient, and this was the firstborn. But the four started playing around and messing around close to the river until they got too close that they were swept away by the river and taken into a foreign land of savages where they did not know how to live, and they were intended even to be there in that land. They were very uncomfortable. And the story tells us that they actually gathered together in the strange land every evening. They remembered the times that they spent with Father King in the palace, in the mansion. 
And every night they would gather by the fire to remember, and they would affirm that they would wait. They would confess that they would go back home, and they would commit to make every attempt possible to make it back to their kingdom. However, as we remember in the story, little by little, each one of them began to not show up at the fire. The first one, when he didn't show up, he was found making a hut, making something. He gave it all up. The second one, when he didn't show up at the fire, he decided to be the judgmental writer, keeping tabs of all the sins of the other because he was going to distract the king, when the king came back to save them, ah, 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 not my sins. Look at his sins. These are worse than mine. And the third one, when he didn't show up to the fire, decided to become the rock stacking, I'm going to get there myself by the river. The fourth one waited by the fire until the firstborn showed up and said, Father has sent me to pick you up. And one by one, the firstborn visited every single one of the three brothers that have walked away, and none of them came back with him to the kingdom. How many of the four went back to the kingdom? Only one who accepted the benefit of the freedom, the free, guiltless forgiveness of the firstborn being sent by the king to be taken back to the wonderful kingdom where they used to live. Well, the parable, some of you understood it because I got some very interesting comments and very good comments about the story. However, the principles are the following. What does the king and the kingdom represent? The kingdom of God and our relationship with Jesus and God. And and, and what do, do each one of these individuals, each one of the four children represent? They represent a different approach to God. Humans have devised different approaches to relate to God. And somehow, one of them fits better than the other three. Let's go through them very quickly. The first one, he was the first one that didn't show up in the fire. This is the son that said, forget it. I'm not even going to bother with remembering God anymore or the kingdom or any of that religious stuff. Now, I'm going to speak like already in the interpretation of the, of the parable. These are the kind of people that refuse to consider God in their lives. Guess what the age group usually is? There's a statistic for that. Teenagers up to around 30-something. They really don't think of God because they are strong. They can do a lot of things. Remember those days, some of us? And we didn't need God. We can do it all by ourselves. God who? What's he ever given me except guilt through my parents? If you're an Italian or a Hispanic family, you know, a Jewish family, guilt, 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 guilt. Catholics, yeah, that too. Baptists do that too. See? So these are the kind of people that just don't want to know anything about God. Do you know any of them? Do you know anybody who just doesn't want to know anything about God in their lives? And God, there is total disregard for God. There is total, like God doesn't exist in their worldview. There is nothing. Uh, There may be luck. And they may have a God like each one of you have in your purses. You know what kind of God most people have? 
a plastic god. Oh, they get us out of messes sometimes. Convenience, God. If they even want to find God, that's the first one. He just didn't care about God. But guess what? We know the old story of seeking pleasure and finding pleasure. The old proverb writer Solomon told us, meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher, everything is meaningless. How do you know this verse asked? What's the other language that is used? Vanity. Vanity. All is vanity, says the, the prophet. All is vanity. Oh, there is a season for everything. And guess what? Pleasure in itself is not bad. The problem is when we seek pleasure to be our God and we do not get pleasure from our relationship with God, God says, delight yourself where? In the presence of the Lord. He even says in the sense, in my presence there is fullness of joy. So pleasure is not bad as long as it's a result from the experience that we have with God and we share that with others. That was the first song. How many of you are like that? Well, we might not have a lot of those here today, but do you know somebody like that? Would you pray for them this coming week? That God will become real in their lives. The second son who decided not to go back, I like him uh, because I find myself a little bit in each one of them. Uh, Am I the only one? Or am I the only one that's going to say it? (laughs) But the second one is the favorite one because I find myself in it. This is the bomb throwing, the bomb smoke one, the distractor. And I find myself very much because I like to distract, you know, when things are, let's go this other way. And if you have the gift of gab... You can do that very easily, unfortunately. But this is the fault-finding distractor, that instead of this person allowing God to show me my sin, instead of me looking at my faults and looking at where I need to grow, where I need to change, uh-uh, look at her. That's worse. I, my grandmother, <clears throat> don't tell her. She used to be like that. She's, ay, Edwincito, little Edwin. I never grew up to her, you know. Edwincito, I'm such a good person, right? I'm going to go to heaven. I don't kill. I don't lie. She'll not remember. Uh, (laughs) I don't do bad things to people. That's the moralist who's always comparing and see themselves as good because they are comparing themselves to others. However, the reality of the thing is that we don't compare ourselves to others. We have to compare ourselves with God's goodness and God's character. And when we compare ourselves with God, then we just don't want to even find ourselves. Because we're short and we are found wanting. But these people, they just throw the bomb, the smoke bomb. Yeah, look at them doing that. Don't look at me. They're the ones that when they point that way, they're hiding the other ones because three are pointing to them. Uh-uh, they're curling them up. That's a sad. Do you know somebody like that? That never has a fault? The faults are always on somebody else. And, and doesn't have to really deal with God because they are okay. 
according to their own standard. The third brother who just wouldn't go, well, this one actually got it from the Lord. He says, you who passed judgment on someone else in Romans 2 verse 1 is very clear. You who passed judgment on someone else, for at whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself. Come on, people. We have not been called to point fingers at others. The only fingers that we need to be pointing is at ourselves. And if we even use our fingers to point at somebody, my parents told me that was unpolite. But if we ever use our fingers to point to someone, may it be for us to point them to Jesus? Could we do that? If we have to use our fingers to point our some, could we just point them to the Lord? Can we just do that? That's better, I think. And then the third one, oh, he's the rock stacking reimburser. You like him. <laughs> because he's going to make himself his way to heaven. Oh, I am guilty, this one says. I have really messed it up with the Lord. But guess what? I can fix it. And the way I'm going to fix it is I'm going to go every Sunday to church and I'm going to say all the magical incantations that we say and I'm going to sing the things that we sing. I'm going to volunteer in a committee or a team and God, that should do it. That's it. Don't ask for anything else because I'm going to work hard for you but you got to give it all to me. It's a negotiator style. It's a good business person. Say, I'll do this, Lord, but you do that. I'm going to work myself to death. But you got to give me everything. Uh. Uh -uh. What does the word? We're a lot of things. However, to the one who does not work, but trust God. The one who does not work their salvation, that's what... Paul is saying here, the one who does not work but trusts God, who justifies the ungodly. Who's the one that justifies? God. And who does God justify? The ungodly, the sinner. So he's not the one who pretends I'm okay. It's the one that is ungodly. Their faith is credited as righteousness. Hmm. But then we have the fourth brother who faithfully waited by the fire, who faithfully hoped that every day his father, the king, would send rescue. And who alone now, sitting by that lonely fire, begins to hear the words that say, Hey, father has come, has sent me to pick you up. What? And he heard the words saying, And father has forgiven you. You mean he has forgiven me already? But I haven't explained myself to him. I haven't shared with him how. I haven't apologized to him yet. Uh, it's done. The king has forgiven you. That's why I'm here. The king has forgiven you. That's why I'm here. You see, the person in right standing with God before God the person who is okay with God will live by trusting, relying. You know what relying is? 
You know what trusting is. Charlie, can I please ask you to come forward? You see, the faith seeker, the God seeker, the one who's not pretending that they are holy, the one who's not trying to work out their salvation, you know what they can do? That's relying. That's trusting. That's trusting. It's putting your shoulder, your face. Like John did. Thank you. To Jesus. That's trust. That's trust. How does that make you feel? Say it. Peace, right? So the worlds can come down and they can collapse. But those who trust on the Lord will never dismay. You see, you have all those choices to respond to God. Where are you today? How are you reacting and and approaching God in your life? Is it just an information far away thing that you just want to check? But there is no intimacy. Are you close, but as you come closer to God, you see your weaknesses, and then you want to pretend and you throw the smoke bomb? Or are you the hard worker that just has to do it? I got to do it. I got You know, it, all of them are different ways of self-righteousness, if you look at it. All of them are different ways of us saying before God, you've got to give me what I want. I deserve it. You are my little God in the palm of my hand. How dare we? But the grace-driven, the one who knows that he knows that he knows that the only hope is in Jesus is the grace-driven. Beloved, we, we can pretend we can do all, we can be, be very busy at church and be very, very far away from God. Let us have a moment of silence as we try to think and reflect. Where are you? Do you disregard God? Do you pretend you're something you're not with a smoke bomb? Do you want to work a lot so that God doesn't, you know, keep busy? Close your eyes where you're at. Bow your head. And let's have this moment with you and God. Where are you? You see, because the whole point of the story of the king is to give us freedom. It's so that we can identify those chains, those ropes that are tying our approach, and our freedom to be with God. And this morning, I'm asking you to break away from those ropes, break away from those old patterns of approaching God, and begin a fresh new relationship with God in the freedom of God's grace. Amen. You can open your eyes. So if the sun sets you free, you are really, really free. Can you repeat that with me?
So if the Son sets you free, you are truly free. Now let's own it. Let's make it ourselves, our own text. So if the Son sets me free, I am truly free. This again. So if the Son sets me free, I am truly free. May you experience that freedom in this coming week, no matter what happens. God bless you.